Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Zebra Talk, the podcast where we shine a little light onto the lives of the untold stories of the people who slide on their knees and count the threes. That's right. I'm talking about the referees. And today I'm joined by one of the, uh, I mean, let's just go ahead and say it, one of the heroes of our community, you know, like one of the pillars, like one of the, uh, the if there's a Mount Rushmore, this guy's going to be on it at some point. Uh, you've seen him in WWE for 20 plus years, you know, in the past. And most recently he's been doing his thing up in Canada with, you know, like Sportsnet and uh, the Aftermath TV, the TV show. Please welcome Jimmy Corderas. How are you today, sir? I'm good, Robert. Thank you for having me on. And and please don't call me sir. Jimmy is fine. Man. <laughs> and and it, it's funny. I, I love the fact in the intro, you, you, you mentioned the sliding on your knees and, and trust me, uh, not to not to give away age or anything, but later on you're gonna feel it, brother. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I always find it really funny when uh, people on Zebra Talk ask the question like, "Should we wear knee pads?" And I'm just like, "Oh man, how long have you not been wearing knee pads?" Because yeah. you're gonna feel it, brother. <laughs> no, I know the old school mentality is no, but you know, don't, you can't put that stuff over, and you look weak in front of the boys and stuff like that, and. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, you can wear those sleeve knee pads. It's got a padded knee part, but it, sure. it's almost like a sleeve. Yeah. Those, I ended up getting those. And uh, trust me, if I hadn't gotten those, I probably wouldn't be walking today. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> what I've been wearing pretty much the duration. And uh, it has helped me out quite a bit. And like, it's strange that, you know, people, the majority of the reason why I hear people don't want to use it is they think it looks funny under their pants. And I'm like, <sighs> you're wearing black pants, brother. And you're the referee. Like nobody's. Nobody's going to be looking at your knees and like, why are his knees so bulgy? Like, that's ridiculous. But yeah, uh, and they, they shouldn't be that tight your pants anyways, because then for, you run the risk of uh, like I have in the past. Yes, exactly. And not only in the <laughs> knee, but in certain other areas that are <laughs> we are you don't uh, want to. Yeah, we are kindred spirits in that. I uh, actually had the <laughs> uh, benefit, uh, the opportunity of uh, splitting my pants right open on the seam during the, uh, the main of a six man on championship wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, oh so that my was, goodness! That was pretty great. Question for you now. Yes, sir. Were you wearing black underneath your black pants? I sure was. After that, every other time I've ever refereed, but I <laughs> was not. <laughs> exactly. That's that's how yeah. I learned. I learned yeah. the hard way because I was wearing let's 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 say I was wearing blue. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this happened in a match with. Oh wait, Outback Jack, and I want to say Frenchie Martin. Okay. That's how far back it goes anyway. And it happened. And when we got to the back, you know, Jack Lanza, the uh, agent says, why are you wearing blue underneath mm -hmm. your ref mm -hmm. pants? I said, because I, I didn't it. expect. Yeah. yeah. He says, maybe you want to start wearing black. And there you go. Yep. Uh, the yeah. little things. <laughs> Light gray for me. So uh, mm. it, it was Ooh. a terrible, terrible choice. And I actually got into the back and uh, was a little ridiculous about it because I was excited that like the cameras hadn't picked it up. I went to the production office immediately and mm. was like, did you guys see it? Did you guys see it? And they're like, see what? What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, oh, great. Look. And I bent over and showed them what mm. happened. And of course, one of my good brothers was standing there with his cell phone recording me bending over like that. So that video is out there floating around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. When it happened to me, the age of the cell phone video was uh, not in existence yet. Right. Um, and for the record, I'll call you Jimmy as much as you like, as long as you're calling me Odie. Are we are we on, are we Odie? on with that one? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. Cool. I'll try and remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too many um, ref bumps. You know what I mean? Right. 
let's yeah. just dive straight into it. Um, sure. I know that you have told your story many times before, but I do like to kind of just give a linear timeline of when you started to where you are now. So if you don't mind, mm -hmm. w let's talk a little bit about your origins in professional wrestling as a fan and uh, how you got involved. We've heard a bit of the Tunny story before, but mm -hmm. let's go ahead and tell it again a bit. Sure. Um, a huge wrestling fan. As a kid growing up, you know, we were blessed here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You always have to put the province in front of it. Sure. It's just like Calgary, like Calgary, Calgary. Alberta, Canada. Yeah, yeah, I can't hear yeah. Alberta or Calgary without hearing the other ones and in Landstorm's voice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but, but we got so much wrestling on television from so many different promotions, like because we get the Buffalo affiliate stations here. So, you know, we'd have Maple Leaf Wrestling on our local thing, but we'd get... Uh, um, I forget that. Oh my goodness. Uh, from Montreal, uh, we'd get wrestling from Montreal on Saturday nights after hockey night in Canada, there'd be uh, wrestling from Vancouver, Pacific uh, wrestling. And, you know, we'd get mid Atlantic wrestling from the Buffalo affiliate. So we, you know, we were in immersed in it all the time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, we, you know, and of course, uh, AWA wrestling, we'd get on, on, uh, on uh, another local affiliate and stuff mm. like that. So like weekends for me, were tied up with hockey. NHL hockey, the Toronto Maple Leafs sure. and pro wrestling. And uh, I attended my first live pro wrestling event was an outdoor stadium show at varsity stadium here in Toronto. And the main event was Terry Funk versus the Sheik, the original. Which, Sheik amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and, you know, me and my buddy, Billy, uh, my next door neighbor, we snuck down onto the floor, okay. uh, on the grass, <laughs> sorry, on the grass and sure. got down there nice and close and watch it up close. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. Then when I became old enough to drive, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they used to run Maple Leaf Gardens here every three weeks. So I would go to Maple Leaf Gardens every mm -hmm. three weeks and I would bring my camera with me and I would take pictures and, you know, for myself. Were, were you doing something with those photos there, sir? <laughs> uh, eventually, eventually. Uh, later on, as, as I discovered i went to the the toronto office mm -hmm. uh, jack tunney's office and i spoke to norm kimber he was the ring announcer slash jack's right hand man sure and i said listen i come to every show is there a possible way i can get floor seats as close to the ring as possible for every show and he says absolutely it'd be equivalent to season tickets yeah but you cannot if you miss a show then you lose these seats and you know of course that's I fair i mean if you're there and i said that yeah so uh, Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, for those who remember, used to have this ramp that was level with the ring that went from the locker room. You know, they'd come up the stairs and then walk through instead of walking straight through the crowd. Out, so was, you're on this like raised level. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And my seats were second row ringside right beside that elevated ramp. So, so I used to get some amazing shots. Yeah. Just absolutely. guys standing there posing, you know, playing with the crowd. And what I discovered was there was this... Uh, you know, develop photo developing place that had a special that would double your prints for a dollar. Mm -hmm. So I'd get two sets of prints and I'd come back to the next show and I'd sell that second set of prints for two sure. bucks a pop. <laughs> so basically what it was doing was it was paying for my film. It was paying for my developing. It was paying for my tickets to the show. It was paying gas, water parking. You yeah, know, absolutely. I was fueling, fueling my wrestling habit by selling pictures. And then I got caught by a young man by the name of Elio Zarlenga, who, who was working for Jack Tunney. Right. And he was taking pictures ringside 
uh, for the magazine and for the program and all that sort of stuff. And he, you know, he comes up to me outside the garden. You find this kid who's doing his job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, doing something that technically you shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I'm not thinking like that. You know, I'm just a a young adult. Just taking pictures, trying to make a buck. Yeah. And he says, uh, can I see your pictures? I said, sure. He says, uh, and I said, two bucks a pop. He says, oh, really? He says, you know, you can't do that. I said, Mm. can't do what? He says, you know, you can't sell these. I said, why? Who are you? And then he explains who he is. And I'm like, oh, he says, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, just, just move down. Don't do it right in front of the, the, the venue. Maple Leaf. Yeah, don't sell them right here where everybody's yeah, just going to walk out and catch you. Yeah. Yeah, just move down the street a little bit and, and do it out there. Just, you know, he says, but you do take some pretty good pictures. And then I ran into him at a few local shows and we became friends. And he says, you know what? I'm going to introduce you to Jack. And maybe he could bring you on board and you could be a photographer inside the barricade there taking pictures and helping out. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool. So I went and I met Jack and then Jack just said, look, we don't need a photographer right now. We'll find something for the kid to do. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being, I come to the first show that I was scheduled to do something for. And, you know, I'm there at the at Maple Leaf Gardens nice and early and Jack is basically handing me the keys to his Fleetwood Cadillac. It says, go to the Marriott by the airport and pick up Hulk Hogan and his wife. And I was, didn't want to freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah of course. You know what I mean? Sure. And it was like, okay. So, you know, I yes, go to sir. the... Sure will. Yeah. So I go to the airport. He gives me the information, you know, Terry Boulay. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so he gives me the information, <clears throat> excuse me, and I call up to his room and I said, hello, uh, uh, Mr. Hulk, <laughs> I said, uh, my name is Jim Corderas, and I'm here to, uh, to, to drive you down to uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. He says, okay, I'll be down in about five minutes. And, you know, and it started there and he was pretty cool. And I'm like, man, I'm freaking out while I'm driving, but sure. at the same time, I'm trying Absolutely. to say, trying to stay, you know, calm and stuff. So that was my first experience. I, I was basically a driver slash gopher slash whatever needed to be done. You're the runaround guy. Yeah. 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 yeah so that was late 85 ish i want to say somewhere in there and did that for about a year sure and then uh pat patterson one day and i should mention too that they ran maple leaf gardens every three weeks but the day after when Mm -hmm. when jack became affiliated with wwf at the time Mm -hmm. every three weeks on the monday after the sunday at maple leaf gardens they would film three weeks worth of wrestling challenge in the brantford civic center which is about an hour 15 hour 20 minutes outside of toronto so I, myself and Elio Zarlanga, the, the guy who got me introduced right. and got me, actually got me into oh, the business. The photos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, him and I would have these, uh, what we called mini buses, which were like maxi vans or whatever, uh, maxi vans. And we would escort the talent too. Like one of us would take the baby faces, one of us would take the heels. And actually we'd make trips into separate at the time. Yeah. yeah. Which is and, nice. <laughs> you know, and shuttle them out to, to the TV tapings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then one day, Pat, you know, like this, I want to say this is uh, late 86 sometime. It's been almost a year now or whatever. Sure. And Pat says, hey, Jack, you know, we got the kid here. He's there. I'll, you know, he, he sits around. He waits for us to finish the show before he starts. He says, why don't we use him? Maybe we can make him a referee. Yeah, you got the body here. You might as well put him in. Yeah. Something. Yeah. And Jack says, Jack says to, to Pat, he says, yeah, but do we want to smarten the kid up? And Pat's like, but he's in the locker room with the boys. How much more can you smarten him up to, you know, like he's backstage and he's, and he's interacting with the town, uh, the boys and all this stuff. Right. But until so, somebody really tells you, like, how much can you really know at the time? Like it's like yeah. a completely different climate and community and everything. Like for the folks that are going to be listening to this, that may be a little younger that don't understand that, please kind of paint a picture a little bit of like what 
being smartened up to was like at the time? Well, just just knowing that the business is, as we call it, a work and sure. that, uh, you know, there is a cooperation amongst the, the the wrestlers to put on the best possible show they can. Right. And and what I discovered later, which we'll get into, the, the referee does play a part in that. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the original story, as I was see, I was friendly with the guys like at, at, at the time, especially guys like S.D. Jones and, and, and Tony Atlas. And there's a sure. whole bunch of guys that I was really friendly with. So, so Pat comes up to me and says, okay, here, go out and get yourself black sneakers, mm-hmm. black, sh- bl- black pants, a blue shirt and a black bow tie and carry it with you at all times. And I didn't know, uh, which I did. I didn't know enough though to ask questions yeah. to the other referees. Sure. So one day in, in early 1987 in, here in Newmarket, Ontario, Canada, Chief J. Strongbow, who was the agent for the match, says, uh, Jimmy, do you have your ref gear with you? And I said, yes, I do, Chief. He says, put it on your ref tonight. I said, okay. I said, which <laughs> match? He says, S.D. Jones versus the Red Demon, who was Jose Luis Rivera. Sure. So I at said, least you're in there with at least one guy that you're pretty familiar with. So I go to S.D. and I said, listen, hey, S.D., guess what? I'm refing your match tonight. He says, mm-hmm. oh, great. I said, I have never refereed a match before. He says, <laughs> You listen to me, I will talk you through it. Now, of course, I was very robotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Domo arigato, Mr. Robato, for those of you who remember that song. <laughs> Thank you but very much, he Mr. Ta- Robato. <laughs> yes, but he talked me through that match. And that's when, you know, we got to the back afterwards and he started explaining certain things to me. And he said, listen, when you got guys like Earl, when you got guys like Timmy White, when you got other, the other refs, talk to them, ask them questions, you know, and stuff like that. And also ask us. We'll tell you what we need, what we need from you and stuff like that. So again, there was a learning process and, you know, and, and that's where it began. And then I, since that day till the day I actually left WWE mm-hmm. every day, I was the one thing I learned far more important than anything else is never stop being a sponge and sure. absorbing and learning because you never, ever learn everything. There's yeah. always something, you know, that makes you go, ah, those aha moments that you get in those, you know, like as you pass uh, along the years, that's right. something that I've heard uh, Charles Robinson say a lot as mm-hmm. well as, you know, mm-hmm. if you ever stop learning, you're dying, you know, like that yep. you always have to have that just endless uh, everything that I can take in. You never know where you're going to get it from. You never know what kind of interaction is going to lead you to having that moment where something clicks in your brain and it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Now everything makes sense. Um, right. So you're in, you're reffing now. When was the, phase that you went through where it uh, it shifted from this is something that I'm trying to do and something that maybe you're being successful at initially but like when did you feel like you okay now I am a WWF referee like obviously you had the job but Mm -hmm. like when did it really feel like it sank in and things were going well um again it it took a while because you know at the time not only were the 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 full-timers at the time David Hebner you know and and like I said Timmy White and guys like that but there were also every area region had their local refs that worked. And that was basically sure. me working the Canada Can- Canadian territory. Yeah. And, you know, and I would sneak over to Buffalo and I, I, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but at the time, you know, I, I don't think there's a statute of limitations for getting across the border. <laughs> or is there? No, but, but, but going across and working. Oh yeah. 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 You know, so that was an issue. So um, get that five-year ban. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, um once things got ironed out a little bit, I, because I was escorting Jack to television tapings that, that, that were close enough for him to drive, like uh, now they were taking the, the TV tapings on the road. Mm-hmm. So one of them was in Glens Falls, New York, uh, the, 
the superstars was going to be in Glens Falls, New York, and Challenger is going to be in Lake Placid. And he wanted to drive the loop and stuff like that. But at the time, he had had, had some eye surgery done. So he asked me if I would drive him and Billy Red Lions, who was uh, the for the Canadian television, mm-hmm. would do the backstage. He was basically Mean Gene and did the backstage interviews sure. for Canada up here. Uh, and also a wrestling legend up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, Jimmy, do you mind driving us down? I said, no, absolutely. You know, of course, I'll pay you to do it and stuff like that. He says, but bring your ref gear with you. Yeah. I said, are you sure it's going to be okay? He said, I said, it's okay. Bring your ref gear with you. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack we drive down to Glens Falls, okay, New probably York. probably okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to Glens Falls, New York. And of course, you know, run into everybody there. And Pat said, Jimmy, you got your refs here? He says, put it on. You're going to ref on TV tonight. I'm like, okay, cool. Sure. And then, you know, three weeks worth of television. And then the third hour, uh, I referee a match with the one man gang against Dave Studemeyer. And okay. she says, get with the gang. He'll tell you what he needs you to do. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So gang tells me, he says, you know, I'm going to hit my 747 slam on him. You count one, two, three. When you go to raise your hand, my hand, I'll not hard, but I'll shove you out of the way, sure. pick him up and give it to him again. You get in my face and you give me crap. You just get on me. Give me the he says, yeah. yeah. He says, then I'll hook you and give it to you. Said, Have you taken a bump yet at this point? <laughs> pretty much not. Uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> definitely not a 747. Let's put it that way. Sure. So uh, I said, okay. He says, are you okay with that? I said, yes, sir. Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do. I just hope I do it. He says, you'll be fine. Just don't overthink it. So yeah, we got through it. And the only thing I thought in my head when I was laying there after taking the 747 is don't move. Whatever you do, don't move. Because this is a devastating move that he ends matches with i'm a referee so i'm not i'm not as tough as a wrestler so i should be like out cold so i waited for them to come and drag me out of the ring and they did and you know and if uh, um danny davis danny davis was was cursing me on the way back because he said i was dead waiting him on purpose (laughs) like like i was trying to rip them trying to sell (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly in my mind I'm, I'm, i'm like i'm trying to sell but he thought i was ribbing them Sure. So he's got me by the back of the pants and he's wedging me as we go. <laughs> so, so we get to the back and he says, and Pat comes up. He says, are you okay? I said, yeah. How did it look? He said, look good. Are you okay? I said, mm-hmm. yes, sir. I'm fine. He says, all right, good. Thank you. And I, I'm, I'm just wondering back then, was that a test? Was it not a test? You know? Yeah, I feel like that was probably his opportunity to see if you were going to like, yeah. you know, go on and on about it. Since like, obviously mm-hmm. you went into the ring, not expecting something to happen and then something happened and it went over. Okay. And obviously I'm sure it didn't feel great, but like you weren't injured or anything like that. So I, I don't know, Pat, obviously you have a lot more experience than I do, but mm-hmm. I feel like that was probably one of those talks that was like, is he going to complain? Can we keep him right. around? Yeah. Right. That's what that, you know, later on, you think that at the time I wasn't thinking that, but sure. a, a, completely a hundred percent, but, uh, but I, I was again thinking, okay, why was I put into this spot as someone who I thought somebody more experienced would be probably a better choice, but sure. there's gotta be a reason to it right? anyway. Uh, but that for lack of a better term, got me over mm-hmm. with them. And they said, okay, here's a guy who's you know, willing to go in there and, and do things, whatever we ask him to do and learn. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of off to the races for you. It uh, really felt like it, 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 it got your place. It, yeah. It got it started. It took a while because now, now you go through the process of uh, applying for your, your, your proper working papers and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, it took a little while. Gotcha. So now, but, then it, but got me there. 
what kind of years are we talking about now? Obviously, you're talking about One Man Gang. I'm sure we're in like the at least late 80 to mm-hmm. early 90s. You know, he's not a yeah. team yet or anything like that. Uh, are you right? Are you traveling now into the States and like doing TV and everything? We've got Raw coming up like any minute. Like uh, what's your mm-hmm. experience in those transitional years? Like before TV was like a big thing. Yeah. It, it, at first it was more along the lines of, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll use you when you come down. Because Jackie, who was president of WWF at the time, Jack Tunney, right. pres- president Jack Tunney. Right. Um, when he drove down to TV, they just said, make sure you come with him because I guess they didn't want to fly me into all these places. Sure. So for the first, uh, I want to say, you know, that, that was like you said, late eighties. Hmm. So even into the early nineties, I only did TV when it was convenient Necessary. for me to be there. Let's, sure. you know, what, for lack of a better term. And then, uh, you know, once I became a member of the ring crew as well, now they said, well, listen, if we bring him in, he's on the ring crew and he's refereeing as well. So there you go. You know, you, you get two you birds. Double D. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. One less body that you need in the building. Exactly. Sure. Uh, so you're doing that for a number of years. Let's talk about how this transitions into TV as we know it now. What was your experience mm-hmm. with things shifting into like, uh, what was the learning experience? Like, obviously you're on camera and everything, but like, was mm-hmm. there a big shift in how you were told to officiate the way that you were doing things once it became like, what it is today i mean obviously it's not quite there in the 90s but you get what i'm saying right no absolutely uh yes because uh, well the biggest thing is cameras and getting in front of cameras and try to avoid you know blocking shots because it, especially in the wwe where at, the, at that time you had two f- handheld cameras at uh at ringside mm-hmm. on the floor you had two uh hard cameras as well an upper one and a lower one and you know you learn to work what we call the horseshoe Right. Yeah, yeah. You try not as as best as possible not to cross in front of the camera like my hand is doing right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> don't show it, it, back. And you, you kind of, yeah, you kind <laughs> yeah. of work. You kind of work the three sides of the ring. We're at at a live event or house show, whatever you want to call it. You know, you just work the match like like there like wasn't you would a anywhere camera. else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So th- that was the hardest part, and also try you know transitioning from originally on TV getting cues the time cues you'd get from the timekeeper via hand signals yeah so you'd have to look at him to get like okay there's five to go there's like like four you know like and if yeah stretch it stretch it you know there'd be like let's go let's go we got to go home kind of thing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and then we got the you know the the ifbs the earpieces yeah absolutely Uh, the earphone in it where they could where they could talk to us and tell us exactly what they want so that was a plus and also uh, a I, I don't say a bit of a distraction <laughs> only because at times, depending at certain times, somebody would, would get on there and start talking to you and telling you, okay, tell the guys this and mm-hmm. you're on TV and you're thinking, now I have to be discreet in relaying this message that, you know, yeah. so you had to figure out ways to do it without looking like, you know, like I'm walking up to this guy and telling him what the production officers told me to tell him. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. And, yeah. You, and so you try to look at it, do it in, in a way that looks like you're in the natural, you're checking on someone or yeah. you're whatever. And, and just be careful not to be too loud because those handheld cameras at ringside can pick up a lot of stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> That's something that I feel like uh, not a lot of folks really understand about, like specifically television refereeing, uh, you know, like I try to explain to people from time to time what it's like to actually be mic'd up and trying to be 
aware of everything that's going on and refing at the same time. You know, you've got mm -hmm. uh, the production office is telling you things in your ear. If they leave the mic on, you're hearing everything that they're saying back there anyway, which is insanity. Uh, not to mention, like, you're hearing the commentary in the room that you're in and over the mic, over the television that is in the room of the production office. You've got the fans, mm -hmm. you're hearing them. Like, it's so much audio input. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I could tell, if I could, if I could tell you a real quick story. Yeah, here, absolutely. That's because because sometimes sometimes the boys get a little bit annoyed when you when you're relaying too many messages. Yes. And and this was actually WrestleMania. Okay. WrestleMania 21 in L.A. and it was a wonderful match that I was privileged to, to, to referee between Eddie Guerrero, the late great Eddie Guerrero, and Rey Mysterio. Yes. And they're having their match, and Dean Malenko was the agent for the match, mm -hmm. and he wasn't giving them a lot, of, just basically counting down the time and stuff like that, but. The story of the match is Eddie, uh, in his attempts to to defeat Ray, mm -hmm. uh, every time Ray would kick out of something that Eddie did, Eddie would increasingly throughout the match slowly become a little more aggravated, angrier you know and angrier, yeah. angrier and angrier. Yes. So, <laughs> so, you know, I get the first few. He says, "Okay." Uh, uh, Dean comes on on headset and says, uh, "Tell Eddie to show a little more frustration." All right. So I, you know, so I kind of leaned in and as I, as I'm doing my duties and of course I preface it by saying Dean says, yeah, <laughs> cause I don't want, I'm not giving you notes, brother. Yeah. The offices. Yeah. <laughs> Dean says to show a little more frustration. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So we get to another false finish. Uh, you know, Ray kicks out Eddie shows a little frustration and Dean comes back on. He says, he says, tell Eddie, he's got to show him a little more frustration. So I said, Eddie Dean says, so, so this goes on a couple of times yeah. and it got to the point and, and Eddie shoots me a look and I went, Oh, oh. Mm. now I'm getting the look, you know, and I, yeah. the, the, the shoot look, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it happens one more time. They go into this big, huge false finish and it, you know, Eddie, uh, Ray kicks out, Eddie goes, <gasps> and then Dean says, tell him to just really show a lot of frustration. And I'm like, mm -hmm. do I, or don't I, now I'm in the, now I'm in the thought process. Do I listen do to the I office or, or do I listen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I go, I'm going to try. And I just leaned in and all I said was Eddie Dean's and he turns to me and he says, right in the middle of WrestleMania, shut the up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to focus. So I'm thinking WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah. So in my mind, it was like, okay, shutting the F up. Yeah. And you know, of course, there was another instruction that came later on and I kind of leaned in and did some miming. <laughs> yes, pretty much for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. My mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out. So yeah. at least to make it look like I was relaying the message. You know I hear saying? you. But, I'm listening to you, but I'm yeah. not going to get shot so, on by Eddie Guerrero at WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. And, you know, and, uh, you know, after the match, Eddie apologized for it, but also said, you know, I'm in the middle of, you know, putting my stuff together. And yeah. I said, no, no, I, I Totally get it. You don't have to apologize to me. Everything's cool. Eddie and I were cool, anyways. It was a, it was a cool relationship. I I miss him terribly. It's amazing the uh, kind of relationships that moments like that can actually lead to, or you know, increase as well. I've had an experience where uh, it was just checking on a wrestler. I, I didn't have the mm -hmm. office telling me or anything, but I do like to check people after like every big bump just to make sure that they're alive. You know, they're mm -hmm. hurting themselves intentionally. Uh, and I go down and I check on one of the boys. And it's like the third time I've asked him, but the first time I've refed him and he's not used to me and he just right. shut up and leave me alone. <laughs> and it turns into this whole thing in the back. But then later on that night at dinner, mm -hmm. we talked it out, we squashed it, yep. everything was good. And now we mm -hmm. have a good relationship. Awesome. It's, uh, amazing how it leads to those things.
we're in the 2000s we're talking about eddie we're talking about wrestlemania let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite experiences with your time with wwe the like Mm. mega conglomerate Mm. experience like what was what was your experience like over those years Oh, it was, it was incredible. And, and I know it's cliche to say that I was honored and blessed of getting to work with some of the biggest stars. You, you look at the guys I got to work with. Yeah. I mean, obviously from the Hulk Hogan's and the Randy Savages and, and Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennings and some of the 2000s being so associated yeah, with all the Canadian rock. Being in yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, please. Sorry. Yeah. Rock, uh, Austin, you know, Taker, who is, I'm a Taker guy. Yeah. yeah. What can I say? I'm a Taker, you know, Eddie and, 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 and legends like that in the Hart family, like you mentioned uh, but, uh, you know, and, and getting to be in, involved in certain things, you know, like um, accidentally, believe it or not, getting involved in that referee strike angle mm-hmm. that happened, okay. which, <laughs> which, which, you know, didn't start off as me being the, the scab the official, scab, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened purely by, you know, just happenstance. We were, I had just gotten married mm-hmm. and I came back from my honeymoon. I had taken two weeks off. JR was nice enough to give me two weeks off. So I get back from the honeymoon and, you know, I'm, Hey guys, what's up in there? Hey, way to go. Congrats. And all this stuff. And I run into Hunter and Hunter used to call me, his nickname for me was Corduroy. Okay. (laughs) Hey, Corduroy, welcome back. Uh, I said, I said, uh, I said, thanks trips. I appreciate it. And he says, Oh, nice that you're back, but uh, too bad you're out of a job now. And I I was just getting (laughs) acquainted with the the referee strike angle that was going on while I was away. And I, so I just turned to him as a joke. I said, ah, I can't afford to go on strike. I just got married. I, I, I got to keep like, working. <laughs> and he went, he went, yeah, I get, oh, wait a minute. Come with me. So he brings me over yeah. and he goes, hey, JR, Jimmy just back from his thing. What if he, you know, we do this whole thing where he can't go on strike and he's the one guy. Who, and that's how it happened. It just, you know, just by blurting out, like kidding around in the back, ended up turning into an angle. Yeah, I mean, that's how some of the best moments come up. You know, it's just an organic process of like, oh, light bulb. That's a really good idea. Why don't we do that? Uh, That kind of reminds me of a little bit of the way that you have talked about, you know, you were told that you were going to be doing the the Edge and the Undertaker, you know, main event and everything. That was just kind of an organic, like you were given no, well, why don't you tell the story? Tell us about how you ended up in that match. No, I was, you know... um, uh, I don't want to say labeled, but for, for some reason, they they preferred having me whenever there was a um, ladder matches, you know, those those the TLC matches, stuff like that. Yeah. For some reason, it, you know, so um, those are the matches that I'm usually scheduled for. Yeah, it almost it became like your you go back to WrestleMania after all the TLC right. and everything. Yeah, right. Uh, but going into WrestleMania 24, the main event, uh, Edge versus Undertaker. Um, I even remember the town. We're in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I walk into the locker room, mm-hmm. and I'm saying hello to everybody and stuff like that. And of course, Edge and I, fellow Canadians, uh, yeah. buddies, Edge, sir, what's up? He says, Jimmy, how you doing? He says, come with me. I need to talk to you. I said, oh, okay. What's going on? What he says, um, um, he says, uh, Taker and I were talking, and we're requesting you to referee our match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I said, really? So then he took me to take her. He says, yeah, we want you to do our match at Mania. And I'm like, okay, whatever you guys want. Now, not, I'm super excited, but at the same time now I'm like, yeah, okay, talk about then, the pressure that you feel at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's kind of like, this is awesome. I'm going to referee the main event at WrestleMania between Edge 
and Undertaker. Again, two of my favorite people. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to mess this up. Now that's what's going through my mind. I can't help myself now. I, said, <laughs> I better not mess this up. Oh my goodness. But you know, it, it was, if it wasn't for them, I would have been in a completely different match at WrestleMania, yeah. but they're, they're the ones who, and probably the, for lack of a better term, biggest, highest profile match of my career. Of course. And I mean, obviously, you know, it's made it onto the cover of the three count and everything. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that, you know, you've mentioned you've been in several WrestleMania uh, matches, obviously, mm -hmm. but like, tell us a little bit about what that feels like, what it felt like to be in that match between the two of them. Tell us a few of the moments that you experienced and what really like stands out in your memory from that night. Oh, it was incredible. It, I mean, you know, just, just walking out there because, you know, obviously we don't get the entrance, sure. you know, but at the same time, when you're walking out there, you know, uh, heading out to the ring, you're looking at that massive sea of humanity. Again, I'm using cliches here, but that's, that's me. That's how I work. But I mean, that's <laughs> what it is. It's a sea of humanity. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's intimidating too, as well. Mm -hmm. And now I'm standing in the ring and I get to watch those two entrances yeah. from the ring and just say, how freaking cool is this? Yeah. You know, and then, and then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about all the stuff that's going through my head. Now I have to remember this. I have to remember mm -hmm. that. But at the same time, uh, as I've mentioned uh, many times during my refereeing rants, I want to be there for them because this match is not about me and me getting to referee a main event at WrestleMania. This match is the main event between these two guys. I'm there to help them tell their story. Yes. Without being a distraction, unless, which is the referee's job, is your job is to help the guys tell their story and you are not noticed unless you need to be noticed. Yeah. Which leads to later on in the match when I take the ref bump. Mm -hmm. And and it's funny because the day before we're going, we're, we're, you know, at the hotel and we're talking about the match with the agent and everybody and stuff like that. And you know, of course, Jimmy, we want to bump you in this match. Are you cool with that? I said, yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to do. He says, but we want to bump you in a fashion that takes you out of the match. So you're not there for the finish. I said, that, absolutely fine. Be whatever there in the beginning and in the body of the exactly. match. Yeah, exactly. He says, so, so, you know, Taker says, how, how are you taking a big boot? And I'm thinking to myself, two things are going through my mind right now. I'm going, this is the coolest thing ever taking a big yeah. boot <laughs> at WrestleMania. Sure. And I just hope it looks good. That's all. I just want to look like it. I want it to look like it takes my head off. That's all. He says, so I told him I'm cool with taking the big boot and being out of the match. And then the, the conversation came to, well, we need a referee to run down to, to, to make the three count. And we all looked at each other, every, all, all four of us, edge taker, myself, and I, Michael PS Hayes, who was the, the agent and everybody to a man said, Charles. Yeah. Charles was the only uh, SmackDown blue-shirted guy that we thought could make the run <laughs> first of all <laughs> down that down that big long ramp He's without got blowing the up. Blowing locks and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looked cool. So, uh, so Charles got to be the the guy. But what? See, another thing that adds to the cool moment. It's it's not only getting to referee a, a main event match at WrestleMania, but to take a big boot from Taker in it as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I was. I, I was in heaven. Let's put it that way. Then after the match, you know, as you know, it was customary to go and thank the guys and, right. and say, was there anything, you know, and Edge said, no, everything was cool. And then, you know, I went over and talked to Taker and I, I'm not, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it, man. I had a tear in my eye, man, yeah. going over to Taker and thanking him and everything. And it, again, um, 
I've had some really cool moments in my life, but that was, as far as my wrestling career, the coolest. Yeah. I mean, that's totally understandable and expected with a situation like mm-hmm. that. Like I've yeah. only very briefly even had even like a glimmer of an experience with uh, WWE. You know, I've, I've done a little bit of extra work, things like that. Uh, just mm-hmm. standing on the ramp coming out of Gorilla and seeing all of those people and seeing the ring down there. That is a visual visceral experience that is unlike anything else that like you don't see that on television very often they don't show that perspective very often so like to just have that moment let alone being in front of a hundred thousand people getting kicked in the face by the you know arguably most famous wrestler of all time yeah it's it's understandable that you would have a tear in your eye and that you would be just so moved and emotionally changed by such an experience Um, absolutely and and definitely uh, we don't really get to hear too often uh, about what the experience leading up to something like that is. Obviously, you spoke a little bit about how you guys met in the hotel the day before. What kind mm-hmm. of like preparation or notice were you given, if any, uh, leading up to before that conversation in the hotel room? Did you have like, did you guys practice anything? Did you like talk about things beforehand? Were you given any kind of information or was it? It was just uh, exactly that. Nothing was practiced. It was all just talked about. This is what, you know, this is the plan. This is what the finish is going to be. This is what we're going to do. And it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, you know, um, the night before, mm-hmm. uh, well, early morning, because it was like, I want to say 2, sure. 2 a.m. ish, yeah. 2, 2.30 a.m. Uh, I was, I, I couldn't. I was, I was wide, I was wide awake. I couldn't. Yeah. And I had a bad habit back then, if you know what I mean, uh, sure. the, the old nicotine habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went outside to hide somewhere and, you know, d- get one in, yeah. so to speak. And, you know, and Ken Kennedy mm-hmm. sees me outside. He says, what are you doing? I said, I, I can't sleep. I'm nervous. He says, no, you'll be fine. Stop. You know, don't, don't be nervous and stuff like that. So it was nice of him to come up and try to calm me down. Eventually I did get, get a few hours sleep, but man, it, it, didn't get a lot. Let's put it that way the night before. And like I said, you know, I know there's this, there's this misconception that guys like to practice their moves ahead of time and stuff like that. It's, it was, which is not with, something with I've them, ever experienced. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, these, they just basically said, here, we'd like to do something like this and then, then we'll get to here and then I'll get some heat on you. And the, you know what I mean? That kind sure. of stuff, as opposed to like, okay, let's, let's choreograph let's go this into a step ring and like walk through everything. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, obviously, you know, with the company, you've had an opportunity to see, I'm assuming the whole world at this point, like where are some of the best places that you've had an opportunity to travel to? <clears throat> oh man, I've been lucky. I, I, I wasn't there when they went to Russia. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. But Isn't you know, that the, like getting... horror story, uh, the, like flight though. Isn't that the one where like uh, everybody well, down or something? <laughs> yeah, the the real flight from hell, which I, I should get into because everybody talks about the flight back from the UK mm-hmm. with uh, with Brock and Perfect and all that stuff that was sure. going on and all the shenanigans and that, that was nothing. Uh, we this this was just a landing to refuel in Russia. Yeah. Um. Uh. This wasn't a, an actual show being done in Russia. Uh, I want to say the town was called Petrolovsk or something like that. It was, anyways, us flying up through Alaska and down, you know, and let me put it this way. It took three attempts for them to land in a blizzard mm. in an, in an, in an older chartered airplane. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, it was not a good, and, and even on the way home, we had an, an engine problem and had to stop in, in Carnes. 
Australia anyways. These are the uh, things uh, that I think about when I uh, am considering like, okay, do I, do I yeah. want to chase my dreams? Like, do I want to put myself in a position where I could be on a flight that goes down tomorrow? <laughs> no, I know. I understand that. But at the same time, if you, if you think that, you know, it, it just ruins every experience. Like, like I mentioned Australia. Australia is one of the coolest places I've been. I, I sure. loved Australia. You know, I was surprised. I enjoyed South Africa because, you know, you don't think of it that way. Uh, sure. Cape Town, South Africa is really cool. And of course, all over Europe and, and places like that. But the, I think the coolest thing as far as an international travel thing that we did, I would have to say probably the tribute to the troops in Iraq, okay. actually going yeah. into Iraq and, and getting to do that live in front of the, the guys there and staying in one of Saddam's palaces. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, I mean, how many times are you going to have that kind of an experience in your life? Yeah, exactly. You know, like sleeping on cots, but who cares? That's what, that's what the palace yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it was it was pretty much stripped of all furniture there was one king-size bed but uh big show commandeered the one in in our room so gotcha. uh, since since <laughs> taker had the one in the other one yes yeah. exactly as he should <laughs> which uh i actually wanted to say thank you so much to you and to everybody else that took part in those my dad was actually uh um, deployed over there at the time while that was going on so oh. like, thank you so much for taking the time to go into such a dangerous area and try and provide some entertainment and make no, them we forget about what's going on well thank you to your dad for for providing that service for, for you know and yeah. uh, you know it as much as people say it was a dangerous area we never felt it true we felt we felt well protected we felt safe you know uh, you know i hard they to explain you know, yeah yeah uh, you know being out in that sandy soccer stadium with two two helicopters flying overhead in the middle of a match and, and stuff like that and it was like wow this is just unreal something that like you'll never really be able to describe to another person to get them to really know what it feels like to be there in that heat with those you know like you yeah. said the helicopters flying around just thousands and thousands of troops it's amazing it's amazing it is amazing um let's talk a little bit about how you transitioned out of wwe what was the catalyst for that were you feeling like it was just kind of your time or were you well, looking at other opportunities what what led you to that it was kind of like a series of things, it, you know, uh, um, I was transitioning from, from refereeing. I was starting to learn a little bit of the backstage stuff, like uh, mm -hmm. the timing of the show and stuff like that. Sure. And <clears throat> unfortunately my father got sick mm -hmm. and I had to take some time off to take, uh, take care of certain things, you know, uh, with him. And um, it was taking a little longer than expected. So I was kind of like in and out. Mm -hmm but more out than in. Yeah. And then I, uh, and the ball keeps know, rolling no matter who's there and who. Exactly. There. And yeah. they were looking, they were looking at the time to downsize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I remember it was, I want to say January of 09. I get a call from talent relations and, you know, they just said, Hey, we're looking to, to downsize. And because of your situation, I hate to put it this way, but you're one of the people we're looking at. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> at least letting go for now. Mm -hmm. And, <clears throat> excuse me and the door will always be open for your for for a return and i said well i appreciate that thank you and whatever and of course you know we'll take care of you for 90 days or three sure. months or whatever the case may be but uh we'll be in touch and i said okay cool and then uh, that time had passed and my dad had passed away and yeah. i just you know i just had a different feeling that, that i want to spend that 250 days on the road anymore and stuff like that and not that i didn't love the industry i love the business and i still like do you spent 20 years doing that and creating some of the most amazing moments and memories in wrestling history with mm -hmm. the, these people right and uh, but uh, i figured let me just take a little break some time away and see how 
things go. And then, you know, like you said, the door was open. I can contact them and see what happens. Uh, During that time, I met a guy by the name of Arda Ocal, who was working at the score at the time, because the score was the uh, station that uh, aired all the WWE programming up here in Canada. Right. And they had a little show called Right After Wrestling, Mm -hmm. which aired, you know, Right after wrestling. <laughs> yes. So like after the replay, because they would show it on Monday nights, Raw. But on Tuesday, they would show a replay earlier in the afternoon with a half hour show afterwards. Mauro Ronaldo was on it. Uh, Renee Paquette was on it. Sure. Um, and so all Arnardo these like, great uh, Canadian names that are about to launch yeah. off and become big broadcast journalists. So he brought, he brought me on board to do the, the radio version um, of Right After Wrestling on Monday night. So we would watch Raw at the studio at the score studio and then go live on on radio and do it and i was getting to like it you know this, yeah. is, this is this is this is something i could i think i can get into and then a position opened up on the television side when, when moral left mm-hmm. uh the score so now it was myself uh arda and renee doing the television version of that show and then uh wwe became a little more hands-on with it and said well don't we don't like you calling it right after wrestling because right after wrestling was r-a-w Oh yeah, that makes sense. Your short form. So um, they came up with the name Aftermath. Okay. So it started at the score, and then when when Sportsnet took over um, the broadcasting rights here in Canada for the WWE, they took the show with it. So we, you know, continued the show on Sportsnet, and and it had a pretty good twelve year run. Unfortunately, it, it's on an indefinite hiatus right now because of the current situation with the pandemic, but. That got me started into broadcasting it, and man, I love it. And as you can tell <laughs> here today, I love to talk. Sure, and, I mean, and, it, you've had these experiences that give you this, like a whole nother side of uh, information and knowledge and experience that like you offer to the audience that like nobody else can bring to the table. So it makes sense that they would have you on for that. Well, thank you for saying that. And, and, and I think it is a little bit unique because, you know, a referee's perspective, when do you yeah. usually get a referee's perspective? And, and again, as I say, we're not the star. We're like, um, I, I, I made this reference uh, about a week or so ago and somebody said they loved it. It's, it's like everybody knows who KC is, but nobody knows who the Sunshine Band is. Sure. But there's no KC without the Sunshine Band. Absolutely. You're you know, a you're, good you're Sunshine Band. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, what led you into wanting to write the book? And then in, uh, in addition to that, what made you feel like you really needed to, like, it's very clear um, that you want to give back to the referee community. Obviously mm-hmm. you had the video series, uh, or, uh, you had the book, you've had Ask the Ref, like what has made you feel so motivated to want to give back to the people that have come after you? Um, well, you know, uh, I didn't know the right way to do it, but uh, to be perfectly honest, all the credit for the book goes to my wife, Audra. She was the one who, who said, you know, all these experience, all these stories, all this stuff you've got locked up in there, you should put it down on paper so people yeah. could, could know your story. And I said, you know, you know me, as a, it's like, who wants to read my story? And sure. she goes, you'd be surprised because this is a different perspective uh, coming at it from a different, uh, you know, slant than, than it would from, from an actual wrestler, you know, and and it is an interesting story in her eyes. And then, you know, obviously when, you know, speaking with Arda and, and other people in the industry, I said, yeah, you've got some stories, go for it. And I said, well, maybe I will. So I started jotting it down it became a project. And then, you know, I was thinking, who do I present it to? And I knew that ECW press up here in Canada, you know, does a lot of wrestling material. 
but then I had to figure out, well, you have to have somebody, you know, write the foreword for your book. Who am I going to get? Like, <laughs> Who am I going to get to write the foreword? And I said, well, if it's Canada, it's Canadian. Let me talk to, let me talk to Edge. Let me talk to Adam and see what he says, if he sure. feels up to it. So, you know, I, I buzzed him and I said, listen, here's the deal. I'm writing a book, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not, it's not one of those, you know, throw everybody under the bus books, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, would you be interested in maybe possibly writing a little forward for it? Oh yeah. And then like a couple of days later, he sends me, is this all right? I said, are yeah. you kidding? This is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. And you're just floored by the whole thing. Yeah. yeah but, but like I said, all the, all the encouragement, all the, the backing, all the credit for all that work goes to my wife who really was, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the motivation behind it. And exactly. Uh, absolutely. You, yeah. Like uh, pushed you to take the steps that you needed to take, which thank yes. you to Audra. <laughs> we really, yeah. the book is fantastic. Like, you know, I oh, would tell you. this to anybody. It's not just because you're sitting here and you know, it's on display behind mm. you and everything, but like, <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a great read. It is available on Amazon. I was not told to plug the book at all, but, uh, mm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the better, reads that I've had from my perspective, obviously, because like uh, referees, we don't exactly have a lot of resources to help us learn and help us answer the questions that we have. There's not a lot of referee trainers around the world or anything like that. So it was definitely something that was very much a a necessity and something that I enjoyed. So thank you for that. No, thank you for saying that. I I appreciate it. It's it's something I like because actually one of the, one of the things, uh, I, I did before leaving WWE was when they still had Florida championship wrestling mm-hmm. and uh, they had me go down to um, there because they were um, for lack of a better term, they were trying out a lot of young talent right. and they had brought in like five or six referees as well. So they mm-hmm. said that we got like five or six referees coming in and we go down there and evaluate them. Yeah. You've got like Rod which, and uh, Mark and uh, the Justin, I think. And like Jason, Jason, and- Jason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, you know, um, so now thinking about it, be that would be something that would be cool that I can hopefully one day go down and work with uh, with young refs and help them learn the way I did. Yeah, absolutely. And, just, and yeah. was that the first experience that you had had, like hands on, like one on one, like trying to teach other referees and things like that? Have you thought about like taking on students or anything like that? Um. Yeah, but it's 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 different because. Uh, uh, as a full-time gig only if it's like some place like the performance center you know what i mean that's sure, only, yeah i mean so, you know, why sell yourself yeah. short, right yeah I, I, but uh at the same time it was cool because we when we had young referees coming up like uh uh not, not only was i still learning from from some of the other guys but uh, i was able to pass on some of that knowledge to some of the young guys that were coming through sure more you know in the I mean, like kind of like journeyman, cool. like apprenticeship uh, kind of environment that I feel like refereeing yeah. has kind of had for the last like 20, 30 years or so. It's more right. so like you're taking in knowledge and um, answering questions and things like that mm. while you're doing it. Like uh, yeah. you're saying. I just, I just hope that, uh, you know, this generation's young referees, not, not talking about you, but you. I am one just of this coming... generation's young referees. I no, but, <laughs> but, but you are definitely a lot like the ones that I'm, that I'm, going to reference now sure. which are the ones who <laughs> who think they know more than they actually do and yes. kind of don't take that um constructive criticism or advice to heart from those who 
uh, you know. Yeah, let me just go ahead and publicly that. apologize for uh, some <laughs> members of Zebra Talk. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. We uh, unfortunately have some folks who think that they know the answers to things. And then mm-hmm. we are graciously afforded the opportunity to have somebody like yourself come in and uh, tell us what the actual correct answer is. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. every once in a while, uh, people think that it's a matter of debate. Um, yeah. And then those people are either My, explained or excused uh. no well here's here's the thing and 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 i get that uh the, okay wrestling is an opinion whether you like it or not i, I look sure. at it this way um i try to compare it to other forms of entertainment i look mm-hmm. at like for example a sitcom the very popular sitcom back in the was the big bang theory right for me it was not it, yeah, it didn't. It, it, it didn't. It didn't, yeah, it didn't, didn't work for me. Yeah. But but it did phenomenal ratings. Right. It was very successful, but it just wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Now that wrestling is pro wrestling is the same thing. People like certain presentations of pro wrestling, and and unfortunately, today's audience has become more like uh, treating wrestling more like a political stage as opposed to. Sure. You know what I mean. It, yeah, everything's you, becoming I, so combative and politicized. Yes. And, and like, yes, it is subjective company to company, but like it also doesn't have to be motivated by like, okay, well, I like these guys. So regardless of what their answer is, these guys are right. Right. It's you like, know, and, 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 you know, there was a big debate about uh, uh, the rules and stuff like that. Like the, the rules are there for a reason to help tell that story in a match. And if you're, pre- if you claim to present yourself as a, in a more sports-like atmosphere, then those rules should matter. Absolutely. Which I feel like these experiences have probably led to what you've been doing a lot more recently now, which is your ref and rant. Why don't you talk a little bit about what the inspiration for that was and what kind of experience you've had with it, what kind of reaction you've received from the fan base? Well, it's, it's to be perfectly frank, it's, it's, it's there to not only to, um, critique something or even put something over because it's not always 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 yeah uh, i find it's very I mean, mixed uh it's just as much positive as it is negative i I, tr- I try to throw some positive things like the the most recent one i did i threw a huge positive to somebody that i know and and, and have great respect for josh alexander mm-hmm. um just big thumbs up yeah, to him just wanted, just just wanted, so yeah. so so good i was really actually happy to hear you say in the uh the rant yeah. this week uh that you were like why is this guy not you know everywhere yeah and um, and it's no and it wasn't meant to disrespect impact wrestling because I, I i really appreciate what they do and it wasn't right I, i'm just saying a bigger platform for him yeah to, i mean they've given him see. a platform their legitimate platform just as much yep. as anybody else is but yeah. you're right like he is an absolutely phenomenal outstanding mm. athlete and talent yeah but but but, but yeah but the rants the rants themselves are there to to bring out certain points that i notice and there's sometimes things that i might notice uh that others may not, especially sure. from a referee standpoint, because uh, like I said, like I said earlier, <clears throat> referee's job is to be invisible until you need to be visible mm-hmm. without being a distraction as well. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say any names here, but there tends to be certain individuals who tend to get themselves uh, noticed a little too much. Sure. And, and to me, I wish that wouldn't happen. It's yeah. uh, you know what I mean? It's, that's just that's my that's my pet peeve. Uh, here, here's a great example. Uh, our producer for Aftermath. Uh, okay. We were when we were at SummerSlam, when it was here in Toronto. We were, you know, we did the watch along with the the crew backstage and stuff like that for the you know for their website and stuff like that. And then we were out watching the matches out in in our seats, and I was sitting beside the the 
our producer and you know and i kept saying to him oh this isn't the finish yeah and, you know, and <laughs> yeah. he'd go oh this isn't the finish and there'd be a kick out and he'd go how do you know yeah <laughs> and i say and it has nothing Listen to, to the do with crowd, the crowd brother <laughs> no i know I, and it has nothing to do with what the, the talent is doing in the ring like the moves or anything like that i for some reason watch the referees and yeah i, I noticed a tell mm-hmm. you know what i mean and yep. and which he says so he asked me what it was and i didn't want to tell him mm-hmm. and then i ended up telling him and then after i told him he says i can't unsee it you've ruined every match for me now yeah so he so now he you know i i when it comes to stuff like that i, I will not i, I you know I, that yeah sure. it's okay it's okay to pull back the curtain for a peak but you don't want to you know give you everything away everything and that's for everybody exactly yeah because yeah. he said like i said now i can't unsee it yeah but anyway I'm actually glad that you brought up uh, the uh, the aftermath right after you were talking about how, you know, like there are certain people that maybe kind of stretch their role a little bit more than they should, because it's actually a, a brings up kind of a good comparison in my mind that I've never really thought about before. Mm-hmm. A referee trying to be a character and getting themselves over and like all these other things going into the business for themselves. Think about it from this perspective, uh, a backstage interviewer. Mm-hmm. Think about a backstage interviewer trying to do something along those lines. Like, obviously, we've got Mean Gene, we've got, you know, other, like, uh, backstage interviewers that were good characters and everything. But imagine if they just, middle of an interview, started trying to make the whole thing about themselves. Like, it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense, you know? We're ancillary supporting characters that are trying to tell other people's stories. We're not there to be the focus of what's going on. Right, exactly. And and, and again, like I said, unless there's a spot in the match, like a I'll give, I'll give you an example. Uh, what was it last week or couple, yeah. when, when they did the Morning. drop down leapfrog spot with Daryl yeah. in NXT and everybody said, well, what about that? I said, but that's not like a, a spot that Daryl called. Sure. That was a spot. That's akin to that, a ref bump. Yeah. Right. That the talent inserted or the agent or whoever happened to be the one and said, Hey, are you okay with doing this? Yeah. You know? And like, it doesn't matter what referee it is. Imagine a referee in the back trying to call that spot in the middle of a match right. or something like that. Like, they'd be right. like, yeah. Exactly. So so it wasn't like him saying, okay, I want to do this and get myself over. He yeah. was asked to do it, and, you know, like you or I would, you know. Do the best that we can. Yeah, do the best that we can with whatever they give us. And again, have our moment, but at the same time, not let it be the moment. Absolutely. It takes away from everything, you know. Yeah. And it was, and it was in a match that was a lot of fun, anyways. You know what I mean? There was a, two baby faces. You got so much action. You got so many high flying. Yeah. You got so much energy. Like, yeah, why not? It's not like you said. It wasn't him going into business for himself, trying to get noticed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, on that note, we are kind of winding down our time. I do okay. like to offer our guests the last five minutes, like we've talked about previously. Uh, if there are any shows, any promotions, wrestlers, referees, even. Uh, that you feel like wrestling hasn't really given a look to in the way that you feel like they should. Um, obviously, we've already brought up Josh Alexander, but please take the last five minutes, plug all your oh, schools and they, anybody that you think. Go ahead. Uh, there, 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 there's a ton. Of, I, I wish I could. Like, for example, I, I do enjoy watching Impact Wrestling. I think Impact Wrestling is very good. Uh, obviously, you know, hampered by the fact that you can't have live audiences and stuff like that. Sure. But, at the same time, I think they're they're putting on a, a nice product as as is other promotions as well. I mean, ROH is doing the best they can. I mm-hmm. wish people would give all promotions an opportunity. And as I said earlier in in, in this little chat that we're having, stop treating it like 
like politics. It isn't yeah. us versus them. Yeah. It's all of us. It's kind of like, I don't give a flying, you know, what, what color your lawn sign is. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just listen to what you have to say. And if I like what you have to say, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, yeah. I like it. You know what I mean? And, and I wish Absolutely. people would just treat wrestling, give it more of a fair shake. Look, there's stuff going on with the WWE that I like. There's stuff going on with WWE I dislike mm-hmm. that, that isn't sitting well for me. When I watch AEW, there's stuff that I enjoy. I'm entertained by it. But again, there's other things that happen that make me go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, sure. and, you know, and I just, for me, there is so much talent. I'll, I'll tell you what, you talk about AEW, MJF. Yeah. For a guy as yeah. young as Amazing. he is to get it the way he does already, because, oh, man. And he's been telling you this at for years already. He's it's not like, yes. you know, he joined AEW and then, you know, whoever had influence on him and all of a sudden he's amazing. Like he's been this insanely talented heel for at least five, mm-hmm. six years now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so th- this guy, when you talk about guys that are money, mm-hmm. this guy is money because not only is he poised to be maybe a heel of the decade yeah that eventually that'll turn into monstrous baby face yes so yeah so there there's a couple guys like i said i mentioned josh alexander there's uh there's just too many to mention sure just too many to mention there's a, there's a lot out there it's just hard to get everybody enough um visibility let's put mm-hmm. it that way any uh just gonna push you a little bit more any referees mm. out there that have caught your attention obviously oh. you know nobody that's contract signed or anything like that um but anybody mm. that kind of enters your sphere of notice um yeah well obviously i don't want to again uh uh i i haven't seen i'm gonna be perfectly honest i haven't seen much of the championship wrestling from, from Hollywood sure. and stuff like that yeah. so um man trying to trying to do you out. work uh, with any like refs uh, up in Canada at this point? I know, like, uh, I I feel not, like you're around battle arts sometimes. Is that correct? Or am I, I was I, I was, but not now because you know, Booked obviously for over obviously. a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I've been I've been my wife and I have been doing our anti-social distancing for sure. for quite a while now. So <laughs> nice. I, haven't, I I unfortunately haven't been able to to uh, visit any. Um, uh, there's a couple of young guys up here that I think uh, have potential. Um, uh, they know who they are. Oh, okay. I, I'm just right, gonna leave it right. at that. Like yeah, it. Yeah, I just don't want to. We don't you know. need to give them too much of a rub. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't want to put them on blast or anything like sure. that. But uh, yeah, obviously, like everybody else, they need some work. And I will give a shout out to my old buddy Harry up here. He knows who he Harry is. Harry D. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. One of the best. Yeah. 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 What a, what a wonderful human being. Um, oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Sorry if I was a pest trying to get you locked down for one of these, but you know it no. was worth it. I really, 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 really appreciated you being here. This, uh, this has been a great learning experience for me. So thank you. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, and keep up the good work with the zebra talk. I love, I love this stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it, 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 it lets people know that, hey, we're people too. We exist. Yeah, <laughs> we exist. Yes. I'm just trying to leave the community better than how I found it. You know what I mean? Just trying there to pick go. it up and do as much as I can to leave a positive environment after I'm done for the people. And that's what me. I'm trying to do with my ref and rants every day. Absolutely. You can catch me on Twitter at Jimmy Corderas, uh, Instagram at real Jimmy Corderas, because I guess somebody else snagged my name somewhere. I don't know what the heck happened there. But uh, yeah, on all my social media accounts. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, folks. Thank you very much for listening. If you would like to support the Zebra Talk Fund, you can find us on ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Zebra Talk. All of the money goes straight into the travel fund for our referees. We're awarding 
one referee a month, uh, a little bit of extra financial assistance getting to and from shows. Um, if you would like to find us on our socials, ZebraTalk123 on everything, find me on Facebook, Robert Odie Brown. And if you are a referee and you're not in ZebraTalk yet, we'll get you in there and you can start learning from some pretty amazing people that have been gracious enough to give us their time. Uh, thank you very much for being here again. And thank you folks for listening. <laughs>